I'm Linda Perry, and I'm here with two gaggers. I'm here with Sarah and Sean, who do a wonderful new program on WBAI, Gays Against Guns. And I encountered you guys a while ago now um, at Union Square. It was some holiday celebration, and your group was singing. That's Sing Out Louise, it yes. Was Sing Out Louise, that's right. And uh, and you were just hilarious and interesting and controversial. And I just said to myself, my goodness, you'll sound so good on the radio. And now you've been on for, what, about half a year, is it? Or is it a little longer No, uh, we're going on two years. It'll be two You're years in September. You're going on two years? Oh, my goodness, I have no sense of time anymore. I feel like I'm in this cave um, of radio-ness. So two years, so that's a long time. And what has the response been? to your program? Uh, It has really galvanized our group. It's given us a message. It's given us a terrific way to network with other gun violence prevention groups. It's given us a voice. And unfortunately, there have been so many acts of violence since your group first went on the air that, um, you know, it's uh, it's food for your program, but it's just awful. And I know today uh, you're going to be doing a program talking about Parkland, and it's the anniversary. Do you want to just tell our yes. listeners a little bit? It's the anniversary of Parkland, and Gays Against Guns had the opportunity uh, last week to be part of a National Day of Action, which was on February 12th, and we put together a showing of the documentary After Parkland, and then a panel afterwards of community activists. So we have a clip from that today. And then uh, Paul also was able to film that and post it on YouTube. So tell us a little about the film. So the film After Parkland takes the students from the immediate days after. Uh, It talks about It follows parents. It follows uh, their relationships. You get to see the team where Joaquin was playing, um, who was shot, go to the championships and win the high school basketball championships. You see the kids going to prom without their friends, without their boyfriends. Remind our listeners what happened when this was. Sean? Uh, yes, uh, February 14th, 2018, a student with uh, an assault rifle walked into Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, and murdered 17 people, injuring 17 more. I believe it was 15 students and two faculty members. And this galvanized a student movement. Talk about that. Absolutely. These were students who, after numerous uh, shootings and massacres that have happened over the years, you know, something th- th- that was it. This was the moment where they said that that does it. This isn't going to happen. We have to do something. The adults aren't going to do anything. This is Florida. It's the South. A lot of people are very divided over the gun issues. Stand your ground. There was the Zimmerman case back in 2012. But these students who weren't going to say no, weren't going to take no for an answer, and they weren't going to be pushed down by legislation or adults, and they really stood up for themselves and created the movement March for Our Lives, and they just swept the nation. Actually, uh, some of us at GAG were very fortunate to get to meet some of these students in some of their, uh, uh, you know, things that they put together, some of the events that they did when they were going all over the country, and they're very inspiring students. Speak about Jamie Gutenberg and her dad and how active he's been since this happened. 
I don't know the story particularly of Jamie Gutenberg, but I do know that March for Our Lives had a huge influence across the nation on the voter turnout. That's what they were really focused on. Uh, we we uh, had contact with um, Brooke Baker, who's mm-hmm. from Youth Over Guns, which was an organization that came out of Parkland that focused just around black and brown youth and hooked up on that tour of March for Our Lives across the country with youth in the Chicago. Chicago, Texas, Los Angeles, and all of those places really had an influence on voter turnout in the 2018 election and became part of the national conversation in the Democratic primaries. Um, Fred Gutenberg's daughter uh, was 14 years old, Jamie, and she was killed that day uh, two years ago. So, And he's really been very active in social media and and, in other places. Another thing that that, uh, is is very striking, and many educators have talked about this, you know, um, some of us had to go through duck and cover, (laughs) but this is is another traumatizing event. Talk about what's happening with children in schools now. Well, I am a high school teacher, and I think I've conducted two lockdown drills this year myself. Uh, what we usually do is we cover up the uh, window in the door. We open the door. We look out in the hallway. So your students are how old are your students? Uh, my students are 15, 16, depending on what period the um, what period the lockdown drill takes place. And what do you say to your students beforehand? Do you warn them a week in advance that there's going to be this, or do you just we, we just get an announcement over the loudspeaker that a lockdown drill is about to begin. Um, we go to the door, make sure it's locked. We pull the kids inside the classroom. Everybody's quiet. Everybody is trained to be quiet. They know to be quiet. They hide someplace in the classroom that's this away from New the doors. Mm-hmm. This is in New York City. And we wait there. We hear people come down the hallway and try the door uh, to see that it's locked. And then Hopefully, very soon, we get an announcement over the PA that it's all clear. How many students is this, and where do they hide? So I have anywhere from um, five students to 35 students. It can be really difficult to get and, and 35 week, students. And when you did it, there were how, how many students? This week, about 15. 15 students. And where did they hide? Did they hide in the closets under the desk? Where? I have a theater classroom, so ah. we, pulled the, uh, we pulled the curtains over the... Uh, exit doors. How frightening, how traumatizing this is. Yeah. And, and you know, imagine, yeah, Sean, you wanted to say? Well, just from everything I've heard, uh, Sarah and uh, a few friends of mine who work in the education field, uh, mm-hmm. you know, younger children, it's uh, very uh, frightening, as you mentioned, very confusing, I think. And for me personally, it really horrifies me that, that, that this has become the norm, and that is exactly what I didn't want to see happen, you know, ever. You know, and mm-hmm. here we are living this. It's like, oh, just it is what it is, right? Except it doesn't, it isn't, and it doesn't have to be, you know. And then there was the move to militarize teachers and, yes. and principals and, and others. That's an insane notion. The more guns that you have, the more likely there is to be injury or fatality from guns. Uh, I could train for a long time. I've heard different statistics this week. I've heard 18%. I've heard 30% of the time that a person who is trained, this is a police officer, uh, uh, a military person, someone who's trained, they hit their target 18 to 30% of the time. Me, with a gun, it's, well, 
number one, it's not going to happen because uh, myself and many other people, we hold beliefs that just would not allow us to have a gun in that situation. Of course, we would defend ourselves. Of course, we would try to keep our students as safe as possible. But it's just unthinkable that we would have to make a choice like that. For what? So that so that AR-15s can proliferate, so that people can just walk down the street with them, so that anybody can have one, no matter if they have a history of abuse, no matter if they have a mental health problem, no matter if they've met a threat to someone else or tried to harm themselves. Can just go to a gun show and pick up a gun. We have to sacrifice our feeling of freedom and safety in a classroom, and we're talking about millions of children from age four up until age 18 having to go through drills like this. And so, and so, yeah, talk, getting back to this, your students, you are in a theater class, is that right? That's right, I so, teach theater. So what, what is their reaction when they have to do this again? Is it becoming sort of like a, root, a routine thing where they know, oh, it's another drill? Or are, are, they, are they upset? Have, have some, of, some of them rebelled? Do they want to take action with the Parkland students? Do they want to go out? Just like, you know, there was all this climate activism, and it was, it was nationwide and worldwide. And the students were doing that. For a while, they were doing that. They were coming out. They were having rallies. They were saying, don't forget this. It really varies from school to school. And if there is a teacher at the school that can really focus students, yes, there is going to be a group who's doing social action and social justice mm-hmm. who is definitely going to rally around this um, this particular issue and many other social issues, uh, bullying. Um, our school just started a gay-straight alliance, and they're starting with the middle school. So these are kids who are quite young, starting with the idea that, you know, your gender is okay, and you can have friends across all genders, and, and what is this thing that we're trying to do together? In my school right now, there's not a person who's focused on social action. Last year, I worked at Brooklyn Millennium High School, and they have a very strong um, social action, social justice program. I was able to interview some teens from Texas who were on a special program from the Department of Education coming and doing gun violence prevention in our classrooms and talking about our community. Now, those students from Texas, they were from Dallas. Those are students of color. Our school, mostly white middle class kids. Um, and Sean? Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm very glad that Sarah brought that up. Something that I felt needed to be mentioned was the uh, issue of uh, race and color. That's something that we got from the uh, After Parkland documentary, and it was very wonderful to have Brooke and uh, another woman, Carolyn Dixon, talk about the lack of attention that the black and brown community get in situations like this. And we do have to remember... In situations like this, meaning? Meaning the gun violence situation. No, because communities of color are being targeted. They are, and they're not getting as much attention. We need to remember, as great as March for Our Lives is, we also need to remember that that was a very, shall we say, a majority of white students at this school. And if you had, you know, for instance, a black and brown community that was affected like this in Chicago, for instance, the it media wouldn't probably have gotten, wouldn't, wouldn't have, have gotten the attention. same attention. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. uh, Brooke Baker from yeah. uh, Youth Over Guns is also talking about uh, something very real where our students are, our students of color are really criminalized over and above the 
of the wider schools. Right. Well, I'm hoping um, an issue like this will come out, um, particularly with someone like Mike Bloomberg now running the New York City mayor responsible for stop and frisk and, and for um, co- targeting so many young people of color during his time as mayor. I'm hoping more of this will come out. And it's, it is coming out even in mainstream media, which is really a good thing. Good. Um, so, so you guys have been doing the show for two years and you're about to start your special tonight to honor um, those people who did lose their lives, those students who lost their lives at Stoneman Douglas. Um, Marjorie, Marjorie. Marjorie Stoneman Marjorie, Douglas Marjorie in Parkland, Stoneman Florida. Doug- yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and the thing that has not really changed, though, is, and under Donald Trump, is the influence of the NRA. And you guys have been doing some work on that, and you've been looking at dark money. So what have you uncovered? Well, the NRA is in big trouble now. Uh, They haven't been in the news headlines lately, but our wonderful Attorney General of the State of New York, Letitia James, has a couple of lawsuits that are open for the NRA. Uh, There's been abuse of funds. That's quite apparent. They've been accepting seemingly money from Russia has been going through the NRA into campaign contributions. And this is something that's being investigated on a couple of different levels. Um, Yeah. Yeah, the NRA is really in some big and serious trouble. And what what, uh, Gays Against Guns has been doing is working on the business aspects that are aligned with that. Um, Uh, We've uh, found, especially in a... um that uh, the uh, gun industry, not just the NRA, but many uh, gun manufacturers have been getting money from uh, Wells Fargo, the bank. And uh, So that's not Russia. That's not Russia, no. <laughs> that's not but, Russia. Uh, I don't know. Wait, wait, but wait, there's wait, a, wait, you were talking okay, about some of I'll the tell you in a little bit more money detail. issues that we've yeah. come across since we've been doing a lot of investigation at Gays Against Guns, and that's one of the biggest things. Uh, Wells Fargo giving close to $500 million to the gun industry since Sandy Hook. And that's why there is this move to divest from Wells Fargo. Exactly. Many of the uh, various firms that have um, many of the more, you know, the public um, mm-hmm. Public unions and public uh, organizations are have been divesting from Wells Fargo. Absolutely, I, it's a big movement. I, you see it emerging now with the climate crisis, also mm-hmm. uh, divesting from banks that are supporting fossil fuels, and. Just to clear things up a little bit, uh, Maria Butina. Russia. Yeah, <laughs> Russia. Russia's always getting slammed. It's, it's always getting slammed, but uh, their um, agent, Maria Butina, was in contact with all of the major figures mm. at the NRA, and they had a very cozy relationship. And she was promoting um, the use of guns by private citizens in the USSR, which the, in the USSR, guns are highly restricted. Uh, so... You know, so there was seemingly some kind of alliance there, but there was also trips to Moscow. There was misspent funds that had to do with that. There were meetings with uh, Russians. Yeah. So anyway, a very complex and murky picture that is emerging uh, of the NRA, who it's been taking contributions from and, and uh, giving to, and um, its its associations which seemed to have gotten very far away from its initial mission, which was really to train people. What did you want to say, Sean? I think it's interesting to note that um, uh, after some very controversial um, 
segments, shall we say, on their little streaming NRA TV that they had, that they had a very big falling out with Ackerman McQueen, the uh, advertising agency that uh, had they had employed. And there's been a big public fireworks spark thing going on for the past six, seven months, maybe. And now there's all sorts of allegations coming out about sexual misconduct and all sorts of fun stuff so i'm bring it on that's what i'm waiting to see what else comes on bring it on so this is listener sponsored wbai in new york and i'm uh, linda perry speaking with some of the members of gays against guns we have sarah and sean here with us in the studio and um we are in our fun drive right now we're in the third week of our fun drive and i believe that you have some wbai buddies um WBAI buddies are people who give a, a recurring amount to WBAI, 10 or 15 or more dollars a month to ensure that WBAI has a certain amount of money coming in every month so that we know how to uh, pay for bills, how to, how to operate this radio station. And I'm hoping that right before Gays Against Guns does their special tonight, that those of you listening um, who appreciate Sean and Sarah and Paul and other members of Gays Against Guns because what you really do when you come on the air is you kind of do a meeting, don't you? It's, do. it's very yeah. similar mm-hmm. to your meeting. You know, yes. you do shout-outs, you, you do in memoriam, um, and uh, Sing Out Louise is sometimes on the show. So you do do, it's like a group meeting on the radio on 99.5 FM, streaming at WBAI.org. So those of you who appreciate Gays Against Guns coming on the air at 6.30 on Tuesdays, please call us right now. Let's make a pledge of uh, $25 for a full year subscription to WBAI, 516-620-3602, or go to give to wbai.org and if you go to that website and you click have you guys done that have you gone to that website do you know what happens Sean do you know have you gone you haven't gone well oh shame on you all right oh poor Sean you don't know what I've just done to him so gift if you go to give to wbai.org it's a website you go to that okay click on the upper left hand corner of that website and it says buddies and then you open that up and you scroll down and it says favorite show. And um, and there, I, I could do it on this computer for you, but I'll show you, Sean. Um, you click on Buddies and you scroll down and click out Gaze Against Guns as your favorite show and subscribe that way. And we would so appreciate that if we could see that uh, some of the people who come to your meetings and some of the people who appreciate this program um, will become members, buddies for of Gays Against Guns. Can I just ask you, what are your thoughts about Pete Buttigieg? I don't... Do you want to talk about Pete, Sean? My people are Bernie and Liz. Okay, but what do you, but what do you, what do you think about him as uh, presenting himself as, you know, the, the gay mayor from South Bend, Indiana? And, uh, uh, he kind of reminds me of, uh, personally, Obama, when Obama was running and, you know, Obama was facing a lot of the same criticisms being, you know, of a brown coloring and right. he was, but he was just really out there and he was, you know, 
took on a more centrist role, but he was reaching both sides, and it looks to me like that's what Pete Buttigieg is Are you is saying doing. he's seeming like an opportunist to you? No, I think that he, I think he's very honest and earnest about how he's going about doing that, but he obviously is being very careful. He knows he has a very big disadvantage against him because he is open and that that's going to present a lot of major obstacles and he's very careful with with how he's playing this and i have to commend him for that well it's interesting so it's interesting his policies however um so this is wbai in new york 516-620-3602 is the number to call that's interesting sean though i I was curious about your perspective about uh, pete yeah yeah. Um, I think he's an opportunist, but that's my own personal. Anyway, 516-620-3602 is the number to call to become a member of WBAI. This is listener-sponsored, non-commercial Pacifica Radio, WBAI in New York. And so what have you most enjoyed about presenting Gays Against Guns on the radio, besides besides Linda making your talk? <laughs> what have you most appreciated about it? The audience, there's nothing like our listeners. There's nothing like knowing that you can get a message out that saves lives. And everybody can be part of that. Uh, we have had listeners come to our meetings at the LBGTQ Center. Uh, I think that there's very much a sense, and my friends who've listened and from listeners that I talk to, that... It's like you're in the room. You are able to take advantage of this. This is part of our community, and this is the community's voice. So that is really the feeling, and it's so empowering. It's so great to be able to speak about these issues and stand up and be fierce about something instead of wishing that it would go away, despairing that our legislators will do nothing, Um, you know, joining with other people. And gun powerful. violence has become one of the topics in all of the debates or in many of the debates. Yes. So right. now we have to reduce the gun deaths. And that is a very specific mission. That is that's what we're about. And we're doing it. So we're going to go now to uh, Gays Against Guns. This is listener-sponsored WBAI in New York. Thank you for calling in. Join those callers calling and becoming a member of WBAI, a buddy in the name of Gays Against Guns. 516-620-3602 is the number to call or go to give to WBAI.org. I know Sean is going to go right to that site right after he gets off the air and, and see how to do it. That's and Roger. <laughs> become a buddy in the name of Gays Against Guns, and we thank you so much. Great. Thank you, Linda. Thank you. Yo, gag! The Gays Against Guns show. Prepare to gag, yeah! Hello. Welcome to uh, Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. I'm Sean Stefanik. And I'm Sarah Lilly. And in tonight's show... Uh, we have our In Memoriam, Suicide After Parkland, Gun Violence News Update, Special Features, Perspectives on School Lockdown Drills, and a special Sing Out Louise song. Welcome to Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Radio Gag is your weekly update on how to end the national emergency of gun violence in America. 
Sean, you want to talk about being a WBAI buddy now, now that you got the rundown from Linda? Absolutely. There is no greater time right now than to be a buddy for WBAI. And you can sign up to be a GAG BAI buddy by going to WBAI.org or call 516-620-3602. Again, that's 516-620-3602. 3602 and become a buddy in the name of Radio Gag. A $25 or more donation will get you a set of gag buttons or other premiums offered on the website. So once again, just just go to give to wbai.org or call 516-620-3602 to become a buddy in the name of Radio Gag. Thank you, Sean. So we begin now with our in memoriam this week, we think about the anniversary of uh, the shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. It was a horrific shooting that took place two years ago on Valentine's Day and took 17 lives. But tonight, instead of reading the names of 17 people who were killed in the tragic shooting, I'd like to take the step of saying who they were. This time of remembrance is for us to acknowledge who they were and will forever be and what we as a society have lost by not protecting them from a mentally ill teenager with an assault weapon. A student, age 14, a skilled soccer player who planned to become a lawyer, a young geography teacher and cross-country coach, age 35. A 14-year-old student who belonged to the cadet training program of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. A 17-year-old champion swimmer who been, had been accepted by the University of Indianapolis. A 37-year-old security guard and assistant football coach. A 14-year-old dancer, the life of the party. A 49-year-old athletic director, wrestling coach, and security specialist. A 15-year-old student, a good kid. A 14-year-old student who loved the beach. A 14-year-old hardworking student whose smile lit up the room. A 17-year-old hip-hop lover and basketball player. A 14-year-old student devoted to her community. An 18-year-old student who was her daddy's princess. A 17-year-old student who was a smart, kind-hearted, thoughtful person. A 14-year-old trombone player. A 16-year-old National Merit Scholarship Society semifinalist. And a 15-year-old member of the ROTC. One year and several months after the shooting, the world was again shocked by the suicides of two who survived the initial trauma of the shooting. One of these bright lights was Sidney Aiello, age 18. Stoneman Douglas yoga instructor Amy Kenning had a close relationship with Aiello, likening herself to the teen's yoga mom. The two, the two regularly texted Aiello, referring to Kenny as her second mother in one text. Kenny, who posted a Facebook tribute to her student on Tuesday, called her a true healer and a wonderful human. I thought it was clear that you always had a place to go to feel safe. I'm searching my mind and soul for a why, Kenny wrote in the post. Being your teacher and mentor was a gift. Watching you grow into an incredible woman and yoga teacher was one of my life's greatest joys. I cried tears of joy watching you teach your first class, and now I can't stop crying tears of sorrow at your tragic loss. 
We want to pause here to make sure that you have access to help. If you or someone you know is feeling depressed or thinking of hurting yourself, if you need support, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Call 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Parkland, we're standing with you. You are listening to Radio Gag and on uh, WBAI 99.5 FM. I'm Sarah Germain Lilly. And I'm Sean Stefanik. And now, in the news... Uh, February 17th, the Washington Post reports that the Virginia law to ban sales of assault-style weapons has been derailed by the Virginia Senate Judiciary Committee for a study of, uh, by the state's Crime Commission for one year. Four Democrats, Senators R. Cray Deeds, uh, John S. Edwards of Roanoke, Chap Peterson of Fairfax, and Scott A. Cirovell of Fairfax sided with Republicans for the deferment. Five of Governor Ralph Northam's package of gun regulations have passed the House and the Senate and are on track to be signed into law. They are first to enact universal background checks on private gun sales, give local governments the authority to ban weapons from from public buildings and certain events, creating red flag laws or extreme risk protections orders under which authorities can temporarily seize firearms from someone deemed a threat to themselves or others. Effective in Virginia until twenty twelve. Uh, well, <laughs> um, that's because up until twenty twelve, Virginia had that law, but then it was abolished in twenty twelve. So right, so it's coming back. Yeah, yeah it's coming back. They they also want to tighten the laws prohibiting access to firearms for someone subject to a protective order. November 2019's election overwhelmingly favored Democrats with a platform of gun regulation after last year's Virginia Beach mass shootings. The deferment of the assault weapons ban is seen by some as a yield to pressure from gun rights groups who staged a protest rally at the Capitol last weekend. And in other news, the Brady Center to Prevent Gun Violence outlines how new legislative tactics endanger voting rights. Texas permits voters to use a handgun license to vote, but not a student ID from a state university. More than 80% of handgun licenses issued to Texans in 2018 went to white Texans, while more than half of the students in the University of Texas system are racial or ethnic minorities. Strict voter ID is just one of a number of racially charged voting restrictions that states have adopted this decade. For example, following the election and re-election of President Obama and the co-committant urge in turnout by black voters, states like North Carolina imposed new restrictions on early voting, which was disproportionately used by people of color. The Chicago Sun-Times reports that after delivering a rousing speech Sunday aimed at empowering Chicago youth, filmmaker Spike Lee responded to the spat of shootings that have now left 10 kids wounded across the city this past weekend. This is not something that's new, Lee told the reporters following his speech at St. Sabina in Gresham. I think we got to get down to the NRA. We have more guns than any other country on God's planet, he continues, and we're all getting tired, he added. His uh, 2015 film, chi Rack, delved into Chicago's culture of gangs and violence. I hope I pronounced that right. Chi-Rack. 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 Thank you. Thank you so much. 
Uh, Reverend uh, Michael Flager, a staunch anti-violence advocate, invited Lee to speak at his church on Sunday, honoring him with an award and heralding the Academy Award winner as the Dr. King of the film industry. During his speech, Lee urged young people in attendance to pursue higher education and encouraged them to follow their creative instincts. You were brought into this earth to do good things, Lee said, after meeting each youngster on hand for the service. But as he spoke, the city was already reeling from the spat of gun violence affecting the very angry kids he sought to inspire. Between Friday night and Sunday afternoon, ten juveniles had been wounded in the citywide gun violence, according to Chicago police. Three of those shootings, which injured two boys aged 11 and 8, and two girls aged 12 and 14, were reportedly accidental. Middle schoolers in Miami, Florida, have a plan to get their federal representatives to enact gun regulations to keep students safe. At Everglades K-8 Center, a club made up of about 40 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, they are now working on their second edition of a magazine designed to persuade federal lawmakers to pass legislation that would prevent mass shootings. They're pushing for a range of policy changes, including further limits on gun ownership, red flag laws to keep guns away from potentially dangerous people, and greater investment in mental health care in schools. The publication, called First Shot, features persuasive essays about gun reform policies, short biographies and drawings of victims, data analysis of mass shootings, statistics, and poetry. This year, the focus is on shootings in safe and sacred places, such as schools and houses of worship. The group is trying to raise money to print a copy of the magazine for every member of the U.S. House and Senate, all 535 of them. The students are also planning a bus trip to Miami to deliver the magazines to the local offices of federal lawmakers who represent South Florida. The offices of U.S. Senator Marco Rubio, a Republican, and Representatives Debbie Mercasell Powell and Donna Shalala, both Democrats, are on the students' itinerary, as are state legislators and school board members. The trip is being funded with a $1,250 grant from the Education Fund, a nonprofit that supports public school teachers in Miami-Dade County. Our goal is for all of them to listen to us, the youth, because we are the future, said 8th grader and club member Susanna Martinez. That's what legislators always say, that we are the future. But what about the now? So now, Sean, do you want to take the uh, news item about Terry DiCarlo? Absolutely. Thank you, Sarah. Finally, here at Radio Gag, we remember Terry DiCarlo, gay leader in the wake of the Pulse shooting, who has just died at age 57. In a statement, the One Pulse Foundation wrote, We are heartbroken by the passing of our dear friend Terry DiCarlo. Terry was a passionate advocate for Florida's LGBTQ community and leaves behind a powerful legacy. We are forever grateful to him for helping our community heal and move forward following the Pulse nightclub tragedy. Our deepest condolences and prayers go out to his husband, Bill, and his entire family. Orlando Mayor Buddy Dyer wrote, I'll always be grateful for the role that Terry played in the Pulse tragedy and for his work as one of our city's LGBTQ plus leaders where he was committed to making Orlando an inclusive, welcoming community for all. Terry will certainly be missed. DiCarlo's husband shared the news in a post on DiCarlo's Facebook page. He was 57, they said and had been receiving treatment for a stage four face and neck cancer, writing that the cancer was just too aggressive for treatment. 
You are listening to WBAI, and this is Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. I am Sarah Lilly, and we are bringing you Radio Gag, the gun violence prevention show. We are going now to a uh, recording of uh, Talkback at a special program that uh, that Gays Against Guns sponsored this week. We sponsored a free screening of After Parkland as part of a National Day of Action made possible by the film's producers. The talkback included community activist Carolyn Dixon of Where Do We Go From Here, Antonius Wiriaja of Gun Violence Survivor, Liz Miguelis of Gays Against Guns, Scott Papalardo of Moms Demand Action, and Brooke Baker of Youth Over Guns. In this clip from the panel, I asked them, what do you think about active shooter lockdown drills in schools? I don't even know how to begin with that because we don't have lockdown laws in South Jamaica, Brooklyn, you know, so I wouldn't even know the first procedure what to do. Okay. <laughs> like, like you said, we would have to be in that situation to know what to do. And if it's not brought into our communities, even though we haven't had a severe school shooting yet, thank Lord, what are the plans? You understand what I'm saying? So once again, in the black and brown community, there's no focus when it comes to gun violence. There's none. I want to just add also, um, there's a lack of empirical evidence that shows that any of this is working and largely it's because there's no money in funding any um, gun violence prevention work, especially not in the brown and black communities. Nothing is being researched. We don't know the effects. We don't know the after effects of what these lockdown drills are doing to our children. And um, I'm part of many studies, actually, because I blogged about my recovery and the long-term consequences of having been shot and surviving and also going through PTSD. And I'm a primary source, and it's crazy for me to think about, like, you're getting this from me, you know, from now. And they got it from my blog, <laughs> you know. So there, there's a need for this to be looked at in terms of facts, and also for us to fund whether these are working or not. And it's not happening. And I'll say, I grew up doing lockdown drills. I remember doing lockdown drills in elementary school. Um, but I also feel like the notion of school shootings has become um, a lot more elevated since I've left school. Um, I remember after I graduated college even, uh, talking with my parents being like, well, we don't have to worry about that anymore at least. So I think the lockdown drills I hear about now seem to be um, a lot more intense than anything I had to go through. I remember our lockdown drills being like, principal has a code <coughs> word on the intercom that they'll say, we're in a lockdown drill. Uh, you go to a certain place in the classroom, maybe you'll go under your desk and stuff like that. But I hear about lockdown drills now where they have a fake shooter roaming the campus. Jeez. Or they'll have, they'll have a teacher <coughs> going down the hall, like banging on doors and stuff That's like correct. that. That seems That's unnecessary. Crazy. That seems like wow. we're putting our kids through it's something that they absolutely do not have to go through. But you're, you know, the, part of the problem with, with lockdown drills and school shootings is most of the time 
it's either a, a, a current or former student who knows all the procedures of a lockdown drill mm -hmm. and, and can blend in and you know so it is kind of pointless I mean we're, we're sitting in this room right now and we have we have sprinkler heads right there a smoke detector right there but you you know in a school they have all the safety for for fire prevention and if you'll try to look up statistics for students that have died in a fire in a school, I think I found one in the 1950s. But we're we're constantly having these shootings, and we can't even put a device on a door because of fire codes to prevent the shooter from getting into a classroom. And for me, you know, if you go into a classroom and you tell every student to get in that corner, and I gain access into that classroom, such as Sandy Hook, what's the outcome going to be? So, you know, again, I, 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 you know, you hate to make everything fortified, but y you have to prevent a shooter from getting in in the first place and prevent them from getting the, the firepower to do the damage. I think, though, something that's also important to mention when talking about that, I think it's really difficult to have that conversation without also mentioning the school-to-prison pipeline system and how mm -hmm. we're also criminalizing the Yes. I think it's really important to also mention that in the in this same <coughs> conversation because of the fact that in school districts where it's predominantly black and brown students, mm -hmm. the, the students there are criminalized. Yes. You know, when I was growing up, like we have um, enforcement in our schools. We have officially, like, you know, we have metal detectors. <coughs> we have like different things like that are happening. There's not actual support and it's adding to the problem. It's making, it's really criminalizing, especially black and brown youth. If you'd like to hear more of this discussion, Paul Rowley, uh, posted a video on YouTube. You can search for gun violence in the community discussion 02 12 2020. So, and, Sean, tell us. <laughs> while you're feeling a little bit better about the American nightmare, why not commit to doing something to prevent gun violence this year? As promised, here's some steps you can take to prevent gun violence in 2020. You can donate to groups that are working to reduce gun violence. New Yorkers Against Gun Violence. Gays Against Guns, Moms Demand Action Against Gun Violence, March for Our Lives, Giffords.org, and those are just a few. This is a national moment to reduce gun violence in America. We are in an election this year. You can support candidates locally, statewide, and nationally whose platforms include gun safety measures with your donations and your time as a volunteer. Also, you can make sure that any family or friends that have guns can store them safely, unloaded, and with ammunition and guns safely locked in separate locations. Review your investments and divest from banks and funds that support the gun industry and lobbies such as Wells Fargo. And most important, check in with friends and neighbors who seem depressed or isolated and ask them if they're thinking of harming themselves. Nearly two-thirds of those killed in gun violence commit suicide. For, na for that uh, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline call, one 800 Two seven three eight two five five. Again, that's one eight zero zero two seven three eight two five five. You're listening to Radio Gag on WBAI. I'm Sarah Germaine Lilly with Gays Against Guns, and I want to let you know about our upcoming events. If you're in New York, we meet every other Thursday at seven p.m. in Manhattan at the LGBTQ Center on Thirteenth Street. Our next meeting is Thursday, February 27th. Everybody is welcome, and we look forward to meeting you. We'll save you a seat. Get involved by following us on social media. On Twitter, we're at Gag No Guns. On Insta and Facebook, we're Gays Against Guns New York. Like, share, tweet, 
watch, repost, help us get the word out. And to find out more about having a fabulous time with us, please go to gazeagainstguns.net. You can learn more about our gag chapters in located nationwide. We're everywhere from L.A. to D.C. to Chicago to P-Town. And you can learn how to create your own chapter. And the biggest way that you can support our show is become a WBAI buddy. We are a unique show. You can call to pledge 516-620-3602. You can donate online, www.give2wbai.org. You could send a check to Pacifica WBAI, 388 Atlantic Avenue, Brooklyn, 11217. But get out there, open up your wallet, and support us because you know you are an activist and you are part of community radio. And you especially know that when you give to WBAI and become a BAI buddy in the name of Radio Gag. So thank you all. It's time to acknowledge those wonderful, brave, and righteous people who are fighting to protect for our right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness every day. So I have a couple of hell yeahs, and I bet you have one, Sean. Hell yeah to the students of Everglades K-8 to for their magazine project. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah to where do we go from here? Moms demand action and youth over guns. Hell, hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah to all of you who pledge to be radio gag buddies. Hell, hell yeah. yeah. Thanks for listening. We air every Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. And you can also listen to previous radio gag shows anytime online at WBAI.org and GazeAgainstGuns.net. And now on your favorite streaming apps like Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. And now we'll leave you with a song from our sister singing quartet, Sing Out Louise. Sean, do you remember what you told me to uh, include at the end of the show this week? Yes. Take me out at the ball game. That's it. All right. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Good night. At the ball game, shoot me down at the bar. Come to the movies and watch us fall. Come to church, come to school, kill us all. Go on block, block, block any gun laws. Sell your soul, have no shame. Yes, it's one, two, three strikes we lose at the old gun game.